Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Grounded Roots with Sam Black. Sam is a certified psychic medium, wellness coach, and is the executive director of Grounded Roots Wellness Incorporated and is your answer to finding wellness in every area of life. Good morning and welcome to Grounded Roots with Sam Black. I'm your host, Sam Black, and I'm so excited to be joining you live this morning from Niagara Falls, Ontario, with my wonderful guest, Julie Christensen. Julie Christensen is the creator and the author of Anger Solutions, and she's here to talk to us all about anger, the role it plays in our lives, and how we can really work with it to our advantage and understand it better. So, Julie, welcome to the show. Morning. Thanks for having me. Good morning. You know, we've had some technical difficulty this morning, and I'm so excited it's all worked out and we're here together now. Yes. (laughs) Nothing to get angry about, right? (laughs) Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know, it's just all the the fun and and learning and curiosity of, okay, why isn't this working well? And now we've got it all figured out. So thank you for joining us. So, Julie, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Okay, uh, well, I, I guess I should start with sort of my background, and my, my background is uh, in mostly in psychology. I have an undergraduate degree in psychology, and immediately after graduating from uh, the University of Ottawa, I took a job as a residential counselor for a transitional um, housing program in Ottawa, uh, where we helped people with severe mental illnesses transition out of hospital and back into the community. Um, so it was kind of there, I guess, that my interest in coming up with strategies to help people deal with anger was really sparked. You know, I I had. Um, experienced a lot of anger in my childhood, um, frustration and those sorts of things, just, you know, in the lives of the people around me and watched how they, they dealt and coped with their emotions and, and felt really uncomfortable with the, the more aggressive styles of, of communication. Um, but I didn't really feel good about the passive styles either, and I knew that there had to be something else. I didn't know what it was, and I didn't know what it was called, I just knew that when I saw it, I really respected it. Um, And so working um, really closely with people with severe mental health issues um, and seeing how they struggled even more so with with managing their emotions made me really interested in the question, you know, um, if aggression is not okay and being passive doesn't feel good, then where's the happy middle? Um, and so that's what started me on the journey of, of um, investigating anger and, and how to resolve it rather than just to manage it. Um, and then moving forward after, I guess, about 20 years of working in the field, I decided to go back to school and get my master's degree and um, subsequently got my license as a registered psychotherapist. So um, in addition to the anger solutions work that I do, I also actually have a private practice in psychotherapy here in the Niagara region. That's fantastic. I love how you've really, you're able to appreciate the early days and how they've really resulted in the end result now and everything that you're able to do with your clients. 
Absolutely, yeah. I think, you know, I look back and, and you know, I, I think as all people in our in you know in our 40s we tend to look back and think oh if only I had done that differently you know and sometimes I when I was younger I used to think I should have just stayed in school and just gotten my master's degree and then done my PhD and I'd be a doctor by now and you know you have all these sorts of regrets but I really feel like those 20 years working in the field and and doing the grassroots stuff um, really informed the way that I work with clients now and I think without that experience and maturity, I probably would not be as, an, as effective a therapist as I am now. You know, I'd, I, I would be able to, you know, do all the textbook stuff, but I, I wouldn't have the real deeper understandings of, of human psychology and how people work, that sort of thing. Absolutely. And, you know, there's also that whole appreciation piece, too, when we have been out in the field and we go back to school and we re-educate, we have a new appreciation for what it is we're learning. And we also bring something Absolutely. else to the table. So I think that, you know, we're, we're where we are for a reason. So I love that that's the way your journey's played out. So you're sharing a yeah. little bit about anger with us earlier. Now, can you t- explain to us all about your approach as far as anger um, and emotions and how that all plays together? Okay, so I think I have to begin by um, sort of giving a framework of how people typically think about anger in order to explain the, the shift in, in thinking, you know, as far as anger solutions goes. And I, I think that um, even though inherently, <clears throat> excuse me, inherently we know that anger is an emotion, it's something that we feel, anger is often approached as something that we do. It is perceived in popular culture as behavior and not emotion. And that has some inherent problems in it because if anger is something that you do, then it means that it's wrong um, and it's somehow something that can be judged and and sanctioned and managed and controlled. And and we apply all these words, you know, like anger management is, is the buzzword, you know, for the last... 15, 20 years or so, and everybody says, oh, this person has anger management problems, and we look at Donald Trump, for example, and we say, oh, he's got anger management issues, and, you know, we'll look at, at the people who are protesting outside of Ivanka Trump's house, you know, and we'll say, oh, these Democrats, you know, they have anger management issues. What are we really saying? We don't even know. And I think it's been anger and anger management have been distilled down into something that it really isn't. Um, and when we when we say that someone has problems managing something, what we're really saying is they're having problems with controlling it or making it do what they want it to do. Um, and we all know that emotions do whatever they want, <laughs> right? You know, when you're happy, you're just happy. Um, nobody can sort of come along and put a cap on that. It doesn't matter if someone tries to put a damper on it inside, you're still going to feel happy. And if you're sad, um, you might put on a happy face to the world, but you're still sad. Um, And anger is the same. So we might be able to mask how we feel, but masking it isn't controlling it. It hasn't gone anywhere. It's still there. Um, And so we really need to refocus our attention and our understanding of anger as a very intense emotion. 
and emotions, all our other emotions, happiness, sadness, fear, um, even disgust. You know, you taste something and you think, ooh, that's gross, and your face squishes up. Nobody's going to judge you because you think that food is gross. It just is. It's just a natural response. Uh, But somehow we apply judgment to anger when I don't think it's deserved um, because anger is part of the natural balance of emotions that every human being feels. And without anger, um, we would be vulnerable to certain types of threats. Um, So it's something that we need to have. It's an emotion that's as acceptable as every other emotion. And if it's acceptable and if it's okay, then we shouldn't try to control it. But what we should learn to do is to express it more effectively and appropriately. Absolutely. And I love that approach. You know, I've done a lot of work with child welfare and education. And, you know, that whole perception that anger is bad, we need to fix it or mask it, is so mm-hmm. sad our society, you know, whether it be give the children medication to suppress it or tell them they can't express it anymore, give, punish them for feeling it. So I really find your approach refreshing, and I'm excited to learn more about it. Yeah, it's really interesting what you said just there because I, I have actually had parents come to me and say, I need you to fix my kid. Mm-hmm. And I just think, oh, you know, your baby's not broken. Your child isn't broken. He or she is feeling exactly what God created him to feel. You know, um, it's okay to be anger, but it's not necessarily okay to do certain things when you're feeling angry. You know, uh, when my when my little guys were um, were just toddlers, they you know they had their terrible twos and their terrible threes, and they kind of ran into the terrible fours. Um, And one of the things that they used to do when they got really upset with me was they would hit. Um, And I had to be really clear with them that it's okay for you not to like me right now, and it's okay for you to be angry with me. I'm not telling you not to be angry, but I am telling you that when you're feeling angry, it's not okay for you to hit me, right? And so they had to learn right from the beginning that their emotions are okay, It's okay for you to feel what you feel. Even when you're feeling upset and angry and feeling like you want to lash out does not make it okay for you to lash out. So there have to be other ways for you to express yourself. It's okay for you to tell me you don't like me. It's okay for you to tell me you don't love me, you know, Uh, but it's not okay for you to strike out with violence to hurt me. That's unacceptable. Um, And I think that's a really clear distinction that most parents don't make (laughs) when their kids are small. Uh, But instead, when a child lashes out in anger, they punish the child without specifying what the punishment is for. And so the child inherently comes to believe that feeling anger is wrong. And that's where it starts. Yeah, and, you know, then we have parents parenting who've also been taught that lesson. So it becomes generational. But the other key thing that I find with a lot of the adults that I've worked with over the years that have expressed anger in an inappropriate way, that they then feel guilt or remorse after, which really just has that ball circling again. So do you find that as well a lot that, you know, there's certain key emotions that kind of go hand in hand with not being able to express the anger properly? 
Well, here's the thing. I mean, if if you buy into the lie that anger is something that you do, of course you're going to feel guilt and remorse after because, you you know, nobody is hugging and kissing and, and showing love and being affectionate and compassionate when they're angry. <laughs> right, if you think about it. When they're angry, they're going to choose to do things that, that protect themselves so that, you know, if people are going to lash out, they're going to lash out defensively and they're going to hurt people. They're going to say things that they'll regret later, those sorts of things. And so if they focus on what they're doing and they equate that with anger, yeah, they're going to feel guilty. Um, but if they, are, if they are mindful of the choices that they have when they're feeling angry to say, I'm feeling angry right now and I'm feeling angry because of this. And this is what I would like to see happen and this is how I would like this issue to be resolved. Then they can go about resolving the issue that made them angry in the first place. And if they do it right, in other words, if they do it assertively and compassionately and honestly, then there's less guilt that follows with that. So the guilt is not so much tied to the anger itself as it is tied to the behavior that is chosen to express the anger. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I love your approach and I think it can really help so many people. So can you give us a live example of how this could work for people to kind of just have that, just the shift in perception of anger as, you know, an emotion, not a behavior and as anger, not being bad, but rather natural. Sure, I'll give I'll give you a couple of examples. The first example that I tend to use is is with kids. So let's say that we have Billy and Tommy, and Billy and Tommy um, are not of the same ethnic uh, background, but they go to school together. And Billy has grown up in a household where where ethnic minorities are looked down upon and they are ridiculed. So Billy has this attitude that anyone who is not like him is less than him. And he takes that to school with him. So he picks on Tommy and he picks on Tommy and he picks on Tommy. And Tommy is getting increasingly more frustrated and angry because he feels like he's being treated unjustly, and he is. And so at some point, Billy takes a poke at Tommy and Tommy says, I've had enough. So Tommy pushes back. They get into a fight. They end up in the principal's office. The principal says, now you gentlemen know that we're not supposed to have any fighting and we have a zero tolerance on fighting at the school. So I want you folks to to shake hands like men and I don't want to see you fighting at school again. Has anything changed for Tommy? Not at all. No. He still feels like he's being treated unjustly. And has anything changed for Billy? No, it's, he's just been sent away. So it hasn't his, really his attitude, exactly. His attitude is still the same. Mm-hmm. His feeling of superiority will still be the same. And the only thing that's changed for either of these boys is that Billy knows now he has to take his bullying underground. And Tommy knows that if he's going to defend himself, he's going to have to do it off of school property. That's all that's changed. It's just geography. That's what it. a common scenario, too, Julie. I love this one because this is happening in our schools today, these scenarios. Every day. Every, Every day. day. Yeah. So I, I love that you're using this. So, um, so what other examples do you have? Well, if I can just stay with the school example for a moment, 
if the principal had done something differently, if he had taken the boys aside and asked them what was the source of the conflict, what was the problem that got you fighting in the first place? Because all the principal did was say, you know, it's not okay for you to be angry with each other and take it out on each other at school. But he didn't ask them what was the source of the conflict. If he had said, what's going on here? And Billy were to be honest about his feelings about Tommy, and Tommy were to be honest about how frustrated he is with the treatment he's getting from Billy, then perhaps the principal has an opportunity to help Billy change his attitude and also to let Tommy know that he's okay just the way he is and he doesn't have to defend his ethnicity to anybody, right? There's an opportunity there to help those boys resolve the issue that started the conflict in the first place. And that's why I focus on anger resolution as opposed to anger management. Anger management says, mask your emotions, cover it up, don't let anybody see it, find some other way to, to get that energy out of your body without, you know, um, creating problems for yourself, but it doesn't teach you how to solve the problem that made you angry in the first place. And the reality is that there will be things every single day that make you angry, every day, <laughs> right? Absolutely. I mean, all you have to do is go to your Facebook feed. Just go to your Facebook feed and, you know, there will be something on there that's just going to get your ire up. Um, but the question isn't, are you feeling angry? The question is, what are you doing about how you feel? Some things there will be nothing you can do. Some things you can take action. And some things it's better to just to choose to say, you know what, I'm going to walk away from that because that argument is not worth my time. That issue is not worth my energy. And so I'm not going to worry about it. And I'm going to choose to let that go. And I'll resolve it on my own, right? Um, but if we if we continuously try to tamp down our emotions and deny what we're actually feeling, that leads to more problems in the long run. So a second example, I'll, I'll tell you the story that, uh, that I told at uh, our women's dinner last fall, um, and uh, it goes something like this. So, it, it, and this is a true story. I can't make this stuff up. Um, I, was, I was headed out to New York City to, uh, to speak at the Ford Foundation, and I was really excited. This was a big deal for me. And um, it was June of 2001. I was at the, the cheap lot at the Park and Fly in Toronto waiting for a shuttle to take me to the airport. And uh, when I got to the air, to the, uh, when the shuttle pulled up, um, it was torrential downpour. I was soaking wet. My luggage was soaking wet. Um, and uh, I got onto the bus and I dumped my, my luggage down into the luggage area. And I said to the driver who was on the bus by himself, it was just me and him, uh, I said, wow, it's really wet outside. And um, for those of you who might have kids listening, cover your kids' ears <laughs> just for a second. Um, the, the driver looked at me and said, I thought women like to get wet. And my body temperature literally went from, I don't know, it went from, you know, just pleasantly warm to boiling hot lava in just a split second. I was just floored. I, I could not believe what had come out of this guy's mouth. And the tone that he had used made no sort of, there was no no room for error in terms of interpreting what he meant. Um, 
And as you can imagine, uh, being alone in a city that I don't live in, uh, on a bus with a stranger who just made a really rude comment, and this is a stranger that I'm depending on to get me to my destination, put me in a really tough position. And I had to ask myself, what do I want to do right here? So, so what I did was I went through the list of questions that I teach people to go through, and, and those questions are the following. Number one, what's happening? Not, not sort of my knee-jerk reaction, but what's really happening here? What's happening is that I'm alone on a shuttle that I need <laughs> with a man who has apparently no filter and no scruples about what's appropriate and what's inappropriate. There's a possibility I might be at risk, so I need to consider all of those things. Um, and yes, he did say what he said, so that's what's happening. What does it mean? What it means is that I may or may not be safe in this position, um, and it means that uh, I need to be very careful about what I choose to do next, right? Mm-hmm. How do I feel about what's happening? I feel incredibly angry, and what do I want to do about what's happening? I want to murder him and bury him in the back 40 of this parking lot and drive myself to the airport. That's what I want except for that that will not get me good outcomes, (laughs) right? So what's my desired outcome? My desired outcome is to get to the airport in one piece, get on a plane, fly to New York. That's what I want. And so once I arrived at my desired outcome, my choices then were limited as to how I was going to proceed. I didn't want to get into a fight with him because he could kick me off the bus if he wanted. He, uh, He already demonstrated that he had no scruples. So, it, it you know, it wouldn't be outside of um, my imagination that he might just say, you know what, if you don't like it, lady, you can get off the bus and you can walk to the airport, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want that to happen. Um, but I also didn't want to try and problem solve with him. This is one of those situations where I thought, you know what, less, less is more. We do not want him talking. We don't know what else is going to come out of his mouth, so we just want him to shut up and drive. How do I accomplish that? And what's the best thing that can ha- happen if I choose the options in my mind, what's the worst thing that can happen if I choose the options in my mind? So at the end of the day, uh, this gentleman, well, he wasn't a gentleman, but this man was um, of Caribbean descent. And I am also of Caribbean descent. So I thought, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull the Jamaican mother trick because in Jamaica, every, every older woman is your mother. And when she gives you a look, you know that look that says you're in really big trouble, so you better just shut your mouth and just sit quiet. I gave him that look. And when my mother was offended at anything, she would say in the King's English, I beg your pardon. And it didn't matter what you were talking about. When my mother said that, it was like, okay, you need to stop talking now. <laughs> yeah. So I went, I went with it, and I thought, I'm just going gonna, gonna to channel my mom. I'm going to show him my immense disapproval, and I'm going to say with as much ire, and it wasn't hard to muster, um, I beg your pardon. And when I did it, I mean, when I get really angry, my voice gets very low, sort of, you know, the death stare kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I responded, you know, uh, with the stare and just that one simple question, and it was it was beautiful. He just he was like a little four year old that had got caught touching something he wasn't supposed to be touching, and he sat up straight in his chair and his eyes went front. He had both hands on the wheel at ten and two, and he drove the rest of the drive in silence, and it was wonderful. And I thought, 
wow, this stuff really works. <laughs> you know, what are those aha moments? Um, and in my mind, I was like, yeah, buddy, that's right. You keep that mouth shut and you drive, you know. I was feeling so empowered in the moment because I thought, you know, I didn't have to yell at him. I didn't have to swear at him. I didn't have to strike at him violence. None of those things would have actually gotten me my desired outcome. But my desired outcome was to resolve the issue so I could get on with my day. And by choosing to let him know that I was displeased with his comment and that I was not interested in any further dialogue, I got what I wanted. I was able to get to the airport safely. Um, I burned off the residual energy of of the anger I was feeling by running, you know, to my terminal uh, to get on my plane. And then I spent the rest of the time thinking, okay, how can I use this? How can I use this story? Because this has to have some value in it beyond what just happened, right? Um, and it's been, you know, 2001. So we're talking, you know, 15 years. I've been telling a story, and this guy has just been getting lambasted all over the place, um, <laughs> but for the purpose of helping other people to understand that really thinking about how you want to resolve issues rather than reacting to issues, it works. Absolutely. And, you know, there's a few key things that I really get out of this story when you share it. The one is that your approach really slows down the thinking so that our, what, how we choose to resolve our anger is not a reaction. It's more of a process right. choice, which in and of yes, itself it's, it's is very empowering when we feel that we've chosen our um, our response as opposed to react it and then later thinking, oh, my goodness, what did I just do? So I really mm-hmm. love that part of it. I also love that you were able to really, instead of just thinking, oh, you know, you're a scumbag or something, you really went, mm-hmm. okay, where is he coming from and what commonality do we have? Because the one really big thing that I really try to demonstrate when I'm working with people is that we have way more similarities and differences. And you were able to work with your similarity in your background and have mm-hmm. that for you. And it really brought you both to the same level as opposed to him trying to rise above. So I really love how you're able to do that in a respectful way. At the same time, you were respecting yourself and not just letting it go. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's a key thing about anger solutions is that I think self-esteem and self-respect is really important. It's really hard to be assertive and to tell people honestly and compassionately how you feel, how you think, what you want, what you need, when you don't love and respect yourself. And so that's an integral part of what we what we try to instill in people is that you need to build your love of self. And it's not it's not that sort of conceited um horn tooting, prideful love of self that we're talking about. But we're talking about respecting yourself enough that you garner that respect from other people. And one of the ways that we do that, you know, when we think about assertive people, we don't really label them that way, but we recognize them. And we recognize them because they are, they are always upfront. They're transparent. They're, they're honest. They, um, they say what they're thinking, but they do it in a way that's really respectful of other people. Um, we always leave conversations with assertive people feeling better than we did before. 
Whereas when we're dealing with aggressive or with passive people, if you're dealing with aggressive people, you'll often walk away feeling somehow like you've been used or, or misused. And when you walk away from passive people, you often feel bitter <laughs> and resentful because you've been guilted into doing something or saying something that you really didn't want to do or say. But with assertive people, they accept you as you are, and they accept themselves as they are, and they're okay to interact with you in that sort of authentic space. And it's very freeing. It's liberating for people who are around them. Um, and so assertive people attract respect because they give respect to other people. Um, and if we can remember to do that, even when we're angry, you know, anger doesn't give you an excuse to let go of your self-respect or your respect for other people. Uh, all anger does is tells you that you have a problem that needs to be solved. That's Absolutely. It. Absolutely. And, you know, in your book, you give a really good example about how anger can actually um, work for you or progress change. And you're mentioning people like Martin Luther King and things like this. Can you share a little bit more about how anger can actually promote us? Well, if you think about some of um, some of the the great people in our history, Martin Luther King um, being one, Mother Teresa, Craig Kielberger, um, oh, I, Gandhi, <laughs> that's who I was thinking of. Um, even if you go further back in history, if you think of Moses, you know, um, you can't tell me that Moses wasn't angry that his people were in slavery for 400 years. I mean, he killed an Egyptian soldier, right? Mm-hmm. So he he must have had some anger in him. Um, but what he chose to do moving forward was he chose to do something that was, was um, less reactive and more responsive. You think about Mother Teresa looking at the poverty that she faced. Um, that made her angry, but she did something about it, right? She She chose to go about um, addressing the issue in a way that was authentic for her. Martin Luther King, I'm certain that he was angry about the way that blacks were being treated in the South. He could have he could have um, endorsed armed uprisings, but he went with peaceful protest because he knew that it was a more respectful thing to do, right? Um, and I, I have to say, I, you know, I don't want to bring politics into it, but I am somewhat dis- more than somewhat distressed by the way that things have been going in, in the political um, arena over the last several years. It, it scares me to think that anger, as, in the way that it's viewed in popular culture, Anger is a mechanism for doing really awful things, and somehow it's acceptable because you're angry. Um, that that's becoming sort of the the dialogue or the the um, sort of the benchmark for people in terms of how they behave. You know, we're unhappy with this, so we're going to protest out in front of your house, and and we're unhappy with the decisions that are being made in the political arena, and so we're going to accuse people of things that are really outside of the range of what they even have the power to do, and we're going to say things like they should be shot, or they should be hung, or they should be put to death, or they should be put in jail, and all these sorts of things. And we're resorting to violence as a way to solve our problems rather than saying, 
We're angry about the economy. We're angry about the hydro bills. Let's see what we can do to solve the problem that's making us angry, <laughs> right? Absolutely. Instead, we're, we're focusing that anger on people and laying blame with them and trying to punish them for how we feel, which really, at the end of the day, doesn't solve the problem of, of rising hydro costs or failing economies. All it does is make you feel better for a moment, and then you have a lifetime of guilt because you did A, B, and C to somebody else, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so there has to be better ways for us to um, go about solving our problems, both at a, at a micro level and at the macro level, you know, in terms of, of um, provincial and federal politics. There has to be a better way, and I think it's there. I just feel like um, being angry is popular right now, you know. Um, you know, being the, the angry blue-collar American, is that's very popular. Um, and, you know, Joe the Builder and being the underdog, it's okay for us to be angry, and, and nobody's ever given us a forum to express our anger before. And that may be true, but that doesn't give you permission to do things that are illegal, immoral, unethical, right? Mm-hmm. We still have to be human beings and be respectful, Um and I, I, I don't know if there's a way to get that message out. Perhaps this is one step in that direction. Um, but I think it's really important for us to never lose sight of that, right, to never lose sight of our humanity and to understand that, you know, with that ginormous frontal lobe we have, that give us, gives us the ability to do critical thinking and to make better choices and to consider the outcomes that we want and solve the problems so that we can get to the outcomes that we desire. Absolutely. And you know, that whole question that you asked, what is our desired outcome? And if we look at it from that approach of we have many more similarities than we do differences, surely there must be a solution there that we can come up with that will be mutually beneficial. Mm, absolutely. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a larger issue, right? I mean, we can we can help people learn to resolve anger one one person at a time. Um, but you know, I've I've sat back and I've watched some of the the debates and all of these things that have happened over the last little last little while. And um, I'll be honest with you, I've I've had to check out a little bit because the the vitriol and the and the horrible things that are being said in a public square are just um so so um opposed you know so so opposite of the things that i really believe and the things that i value and um it just it boggles the mind sometimes to think that you know, we have evolved to, to this place. <laughs> We've evolved so much as, as a society and as a race, as a human race. Um, and then to go back to this place where, where we try to solve our problems through violence, um, it, it doesn't really make sense to me. Uh, so, I, you know, I honestly, I hope that the, that, through anger solutions, we can at least touch the lives of, of some people and move that message along to help people to understand that, you know, it doesn't matter if the problem is is that you're having difficulty getting to work on time because of heavy traffic or that the economy is tanking and the, you know, the powers that be are not doing what they can to, to make it change. 
um, whether the the problem is a, a minor one or a major one, the issue at hand is always how do we solve the problem, not how do I make myself feel better because I'm angry, right? Um, and anger management. Anger management tends to lean towards that. Let's just make you feel better. Go for a run. Go to the gym. Um, you know, uh, talk to somebody. Cry it out. Take a deep breath and count to ten, and all those sorts of things. That's great, but it still no, doesn't change the fact that there's a problem there that needs to be solved, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, if if every parent out there could pick up your book and read Anger Solutions and then also teach core values around respect and yes. similarities, our world would look a lot different in 10 or 15 years, certainly. Absolutely. Because these are the core foundations that really will help bring people together and resolve things in a respectful way. So, Julie, we only have a little bit of time left together this morning. Can you go through what the steps are again for um, – working through anger from your approach? Sure. Um, so the questions, the key questions are, what's happening? What does it mean? How do I feel about this? How would I like this to be resolved? What can I do to get the outcome that I want? What's the best thing that can happen if I choose option A, B, or C? What's the worst thing that can happen if I choose option A, B, or C? And then what's the lifetime value of this event? How is this event going to impact my life 20 years from now? If there is no lifetime value, I'm not going to, going to invest a lot of time in it, right? I love that. But if it has life, it, you know, the, the bus driver, he's a nameless, faceless guy. I've never seen him again. I wouldn't recognize him if I saw him on the street. Very little lifetime value in that outside of the lesson that can be learned from the experience. But if the challenge is with my husband or with my children, there's lifetime value there. So I have to be careful of the outcomes that I choose because these people are important to me. I want them to stay in my life, right? So we have to ask ourselves, what's the lifetime value of each event? Um, and, and that helps to determine how important it is and to be careful of choosing the outcome that's going to be best, not just for the immediate, but for the long term as well. The other thing that we need to be careful of is that when we're ready to express ourselves, we need to do it assertively, and that means respectfully, compassionately, honestly, and without any sort of ill intent towards the other person. So we need to be assertive in our expressions, and we need to be willing to listen to other people because resolution of a problem requires both parties. So it's not okay to run in and say, I'm really angry at you because you did this to me, and then run away and not have a dialogue. The dialogue is essential to the resolving of the problem. If you don't resolve the problem, you'll continue to feel anger, and the problem will continue to present itself. But if you talk about the problem and you do it assertively and you engage the other party in helping you figure out how to resolve the issue, Listening is important because you need to hear what they say and understand their point of view and be able to work together towards the resolution of that issue. And then the problem's gone. It'll never make you angry again. Something else will, <laughs> but that thing won't, right? Um, so the process of anger resolution is it's not just a simple five-step or nine-step pro um, process, but what's required is that back and forth, the giving, the taking, 
the, the ability to share how you feel, but then to listen to how the other party feels and to be accepting of what they're saying, um, that's assertive too. And then work through it bit by bit until you either agree to disagree or you come up with a solution for the problem and then you can move forward from there. Absolutely. And, and you know, I love that you do point out that agree to disagree piece because, you know, in some situations, regardless of how giving and taking we are, um, it's hard to come up with a mutually beneficial outcome. And so in those circumstances, yeah. it is okay to say, you know what, let's just agree to disagree because this problem in a lifetime value is not worth our relationship. Um, so right. I really love that you add that in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really important. I think sometimes we have to pick our battles, you know, um, and that's why I say sometimes the assertive option is just to walk away. But the key thing about walking away is walking away because you choose to do it, right? Um, and so if, if I walk away from an argument because I say, you know what, it's not worth it, and I love this person too much, and it's, it's not so important that I win. It's more important that we maintain our relationship. It's easy to walk away. I have no resentment, no bitterness afterwards because nobody made me do anything. I did it of my own volition. But if somebody else is saying, walk away, walk away, you know, you don't, you don't want to get into a fight right now, and I really have something that I need to say, but I'm not given permission mm-hmm. to say it, right? Now I'm going to feel angry. I'm going to feel bitter. I'm going to feel resentful. Um, and I'll probably look for another opportunity to bring it up, <laughs> right, Absolutely. so that we can get peace out. Yeah. Yeah, Very so good. I think it's important that that we understand that whatever choice we make, it should be an informed one. And if you choose to address the issue, do it assertively. If you choose to walk away, do it assertively, right? If you mm-hmm. choose to defend yourself, do it assertively. Always do it from that position of compassion, from openness and honesty and with no ill intent towards the other person. And you really can't go wrong. Absolutely. Just be kind. Absolutely. Being kind and compassionate doesn't mean we agree. It's just that we, we respect each other enough to be kind. Thank you so right. much. Yeah, just, just because you're kind doesn't mean that you're weak, right? That's right. That's right. And, you know, that really goes back to all those society values right now. Anger is bad. Kindness is weak. I I really Mm -hmm. think that we have to do a lot of rewriting in what we believe these days because these limiting beliefs are holding people back from really getting those desired outcomes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Julie, before we head out, how can people connect with you? And also, how can they get a copy of your fantastic book and program? Uh, if people would like to get a copy of the book, they can find it at my website, angersolution.com. That's A-N-G-E-R, solution, S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N.com. Uh, we have a store there, and all my books are listed on the site, and you can uh, purchase them directly from the store. Uh, don't go to Amazon. Amazon will charge you far more than I charge, and you can get one signed for me uh, for, you know, for just the basic retail price instead of with the markup. Um, so, again, it's angersolution.com. And people can also contact me there through uh, the web contact. Uh, if people are interested in getting therapy, then they can visit my website, and it's just uh, www.juliechristiansen.com. Wonderful. Thank you. And I do have the um, website up on the 
description, I believe, of this episode. And if not, if anybody can't find it, please connect with me. I'd be happy to refer you on to Julie. So thank you again this morning for joining us on Grounded Roots. This is Sam Black. Thank you so much. You can connect with me anytime at www.groundedrootswellness.ca or find me on Facebook, Grounded Roots Wellness Inc. or Sam Black, Certified Psychic Medium and Wellness Coach. And Julie, thank you so much. I have loved our time together this morning and certainly I'll continue promoting Anger Solution because I really think it's the answer for a lot of people. Thank you so much, Sam. It's been my pleasure. Wonderful. Have a great day, everyone.